The other part that was not successful about acclaimed staffing, and this was a huge ring-a-ding for me, somebody said, look, you're looking to get fees from pockets that really aren't deep enough. That was a huge aha moment for me. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm so happy to be joined today by Jackie Rothschild. Jackie is a recruitment business owner with two different brands. Her original firm is Acclaimed Staffing, which she founded seven years ago to recruit clinicians and ancillary staff from medical offices, health plans, and assisted living facilities. What's interesting is that Jackie actually is a licensed pharmacist since 1995 and worked in the pharmacy benefit management or PBM industry for over 15 years. Based on her deep PBM roots, she launched Rothschild RX a year ago to specifically service the PBM industry, and she's having tremendous success with this niche focus, winning exclusive talent sourcing agreements with leading mid-market PBM companies. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, Jackie's based in Arizona, where she lives with her husband, two children, and an assortment of pets. I've known Jackie since 2019, and I invited her to be a guest on the show because she exemplifies the quality of a resilient recruiter. I've witnessed her go through unbelievable adversity and emerge even stronger and more determined than ever. Jackie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So tell me, how did you go from being a pharmacist to getting to becoming a recruiter? Um, Well, like you mentioned, um, I was a pharmacist, but even in the beginning, uh, within the first year that I was licensed in 1995, yes, that sounds like a long time ago, (laughs) and I cringed when you said it, Um, but it is true, and about a year um, after I became licensed, or even a, a little less than a year, I realized that Working behind the counter, counting pills by fives, um, standing six feet above everybody else behind plate glass was not a good career for me. Um, And at the time, there was no internet. Uh, So I literally went through the New York Times with my red pen down the wanted ads and found a job that described um, PBM or pharmacy benefit management. Uh, which they did not teach us in school. Um, and so I called them and said, yeah, I'd love to interview for this position and started working for a company that has been bought and sold many times. Um, but now it is CVS Health, which is a huge uh, corporation. It was called PCS at the time. And I started working for them in the field as a pharmacist, going out to talk to physicians um, about their formulary, so their list of drugs that was acceptable, and that the patients would pay a smaller copay. So there were preferred drugs, and so you had to be a pharmacist to do this job to speak to the physicians. Um, so it's kind of like a drug rep, but out there on behalf of an entire formulary for a PBM. Um, And about a year into it, I did really well at that job. And uh, they said, we'd like to promote you, but you have to move to corporate in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, which I never thought I would ever move to. Actually, I was licensed at the time in New York and Florida because I knew I hated the weather and wanted to get out. And a normal progression for a New Yorker who doesn't like the weather is go to Florida. So um, I came out, I flew out. um, I don't even know what year it was. It was got to be 22 years ago, 21 years ago, something like that. And decided to move my family out to Arizona. And about a month later, they moved my entire life, my entire house. We were out here by ourselves um, with my oldest son, who's now 25, um, and he was two and a half. So that's how many years ago it was. Um, And started working for PBM, which is a very niche, strange industry. Most people don't even know what 
PBM is. Uh, they don't know what it stands for. And I had to, and everybody in PBM knows you have to explain what you do for a living because people just roll their eyes when you say that. Long story short, I worked for three PBMs over about 15, 16 years. Um, they were definitely the larger ones and went through a number of um, acquisitions um, or purchases of other companies. And um, part of my job at the time was business travel. I would say I traveled anywhere between 25 to 40% of the time in any given year to go out and see the clients and consult with them uh, about their drug spend. And um, after about 18, 16, 18 years of business travel, I just couldn't take it anymore because as much as traveling is fun, traveling for vacation is fun, but traveling for business, as you know, not so much. So absolutely. after that, I kind of decided, well, now I need to make a career shift. So it's either going back to counting by fives, which at this point was definitely not an option still. Um, and by a series of events, people knew that I had a lot of connections and deep roots in, um, I, I just, I'm a friendly person <laughs> and I, um, kept a, I kept a lot of friends and would reach out to them and they would say, Hey Jackie, um, we need to hire for X position. Who do you know? And after several times of hearing this, it struck a chord in my mind that maybe this is something I should try. So I went to, uh, I saw a position posted for Robert Half, um, which, as you know, is a huge uh, staffing agency, but traditionally specializes in uh, accounting. But they did have a quote-unquote medical division. Um and so I said, well, let me try it this way. So obviously, as a normal, just no experience recruiter, you take a huge salary cut. Um, and I was there for about a year. And I just found that, um, you know, the people that were recruiters recruiting for medical really had no familiarity with the medical industry. And so people would knew I was a pharmacist and would say, hey, Jackie, can we put this whatever licensed person into this position? And I'm like, no, that just totally different type of clinician. You cannot do that. Um, and while I was there, I actually was offered a position to become an assistant branch manager for a different large um, staffing firm. And they had also a medical division. Um, and when I started there, uh, when I say from the ground up, in Phoenix for them. I mean, they had an established division, but not in Phoenix. I literally put my chair together in the office, took the computer out of the box, had to plug it in, was crawling underneath my desk and built a branch for them um, in which they ended up with several um, people, other recruiters and staffing people working for them. And it was a successful business. But my husband at the time had said, Jackie, um, you know, you're a pirate. That's who you are. And actually, he has a southern accent. So I'm from Brooklyn. And obviously, even after 20 years, you still hear the Brooklyn accent. Um, but my husband's from the south. He's from Georgia. And he said, Jackie, you're a pirate. That's who you are. <laughs> and I said, well, I, you know, he said, you should really start your own business, um, which in a million years, Mark, I never thought I would do. I had no business background at all. Uh, my parents were not business owners. Um, they always worked for other people. Um, and so it was really a strange idea. But I said, if I'm a pirate and I slap a patch on my eye and put a bird on my shoulder and I fail, you better be prepared to rescue me. Of course he is. So uh, he's very supportive. But he just, my, it started with my husband who had the faith that I could definitely be a business owner. He had owned businesses in the past and he said, you've got the tenacity to do it. 
And that's a very long answer to your very short question. That's a, that's a brilliant story. So that um, takes us to the launch of Acclaim Staffing, right? Correct. All right. So that was about seven years ago. And I know that you did okay with Acclaim Staffing, but things weren't really clicking together for you. What do you think, in retrospect, what do you think was missing from that equation? Well, you, to begin with, uh, as you stated, I really was struggling. Some of it was, so I continue to claim staffing with the same experience, using the experience that I had through um, Robert Half and Allswell. Um, and that was the second recruiting company where I was the assistant branch manager. And they primarily serviced um physician offices, health plans. And so I continued because that was in my staffing, with my whatever staffing experience I had, um, I had, you know, formed relationships and learned how to form relationships with that group. Um, With that said, uh, I was on your proverbial hamster wheel for a few years. Now, I did survive um, making a living and putting food on the table, but really not a success, what I would consider to be a successful business owner. And I struggled a lot um, from month to month. And anybody in recruiting who owns their own business and doesn't walk into an established business knows uh, usually the first year is the roughest. And I was definitely told that and given that. um, But I survived the first year. So I said, well, maybe I could do something with this. But then I, you know, started seeking, you know, some type of mentorship or help because I knew I needed it and continued to need a lot of help. Um, And basically, um, I thought that Acclaimed staffing would be successful if I knew business tactics. Um, so I sought out to get off the hamster wheel, and I believe you found me through LinkedIn. Um, and I called you, and I listened to what you had to say. And there were definitely deficiencies in my business structure um, that I need. I I had no idea what to do about marketing. Marketing, you know, from the days of Go back to my 1995 story where I, um, you know, went through the New York Times with a physical newspaper and a red pen. Those days are gone. Advertising is not door to door with doorbells anymore. Although I did start doing it the old school way and going out to physician offices. Um, And if you recall from my story about how I started as a pharmacist. I was going out to physician offices anyway, talking about formulary. So I was very comfortable with that um, mode of sales, I guess. Um, yeah. Can I just uh, comment on that? Because when I was a recruiter, we used to literally cold call door to door. I think if you ask people to do that these days, they would freak out. But that... <laughs> You know that was just um, that was just normal. Like you'd get in your car, you'd like you try and set up appointments by phone with uh, potential clients. But then if you were in a like let's say a, a business park or you know somewhere with or a building with lots of businesses, you know you wouldn't just go and visit your one client and then go back. You would just go around all of them, right? And introduce yourself, try and get an appointment with the, uh, like, just show up and ask to speak to the managing director or the, you know, office manager, whoever you could, you could get, right? And introduce yourself. And uh, I, yeah, so I totally get where you're coming from here. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. 
It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. So Jackie, what did it, didn't it occur to you like you had 15 years experience in PBM and um, that just, which is a, an, it's, it's interesting because people, um, when they're trying to identify an, a niche, you, a lot of people might say, well, healthcare is a niche, but no, because healthcare is massive. There's so many, I mean, that covers so many different, you know, uh, potential clients as well as like functional areas. And uh, that's just too huge, right? So how did, when did the penny drop that, ah, I need to, uh, this isn't working. Like, well, let's start with that. Why do you think it didn't work trying to serve the market that you were focused on, which is like, you know, medical clinics and, and this sort of thing? Well, I actually mistakenly thought that my niche was mm-hmm. a region. So it was Arizona, okay. Nevada, or mostly the Las Vegas area, and um, sometimes California, very little California, but sometimes California. Um, And I thought that just based on the relationships with medical offices that I already had there, that that would be enough. Um, Many, many, I did join your group, um, uh, and that was probably the smartest thing I ever did. Uh, so far in my business um, in 2019, early 2019, I want to say January. So very early in 2019, I was just desperate to get that business help. Um, and part of your message was always pick a niche, pick a niche, be an expert in that niche. I don't know why PBM never occurred to me. It, it really should have, but I just was... I guess depending on the experience that I had had when I started, they made it successful. So therefore, me having this pharmacist background and, um, you know, part of, I guess, my, um, what I thought was my strengths was um, I had my myself as a recruiter, and then I actually had hired, I know you want to talk about this, um, a virtual assistant um, who was also, uh, she's from the Philippines, Um, she was a nurse. And I saw something in that um, because part of, you know, what I thought was a strength as a claim staffing was it wouldn't be like the Robert Half Medical where... Um, you know, the recruiters really had no familiarity with the terms. When I went out as a claim staffing, people didn't really have to explain to me what a job was. They could give me what they needed, but they didn't have to explain to me in detail. So I thought that that was enough to be a niche, was um, our clinical expertise. Um, and that was enough. And it wasn't, obviously. And then I started, um, I guess soliciting the advice of some very successful people, executives um, that I knew from PBM. Some of them stayed in PBM. Some of them have moved on and started other types of businesses in healthcare. Um, But a couple of conversations all went back to that whole niche, um, pick a smaller niche, pick a smaller niche. And um, a few people, about three people said, Jackie, PBM, you know, everybody like PBM, it's a, it's a big enough world, um, to find enough business. And the other part that was not successful about acclaimed staffing, and this was a huge 
ring-a-ding for me. Somebody said, look, you're looking to get fees from pockets that really aren't deep enough. That was a huge aha moment uh-huh. for me. So wow, you, exactly. You go to offices, you know, doctor, whatever, Joe podiatrist, and yes, he has a healthy practice and a healthy living, but he does not have enough to give you 20% of somebody's annual salary. And at that time, I was charging a lot less, uh, which was also a mistake. Um but they don't have the pockets to pay you. PBM um, are much larger companies that also need help, but their pockets are deeper. And go do that. Absolutely. That's brilliant, brilliant. Do you know what's interesting is people get stuck um, doing what they already know and kind of like they, they, they've got some legacy relationships and some clients that give them business once in a while. And they're, they're sort of in a comfort zone with that. And they end up working with the wrong clients for too long because it's familiar and they're like, well, but they're, you know, I'm making placements. So, um, you know, you can kind of get trapped, stuck in thinking without realizing, are these actually the, okay, they are, I'm making placements, but are these the best clients that I should be working with? And, you know, if one surefire sign is, well, first of all, do they do they have a lot of hiring demand? And if they don't, if it's like once in a blue moon, then, you know, that means you need a lot more clients. And finding new clients is harder than serving, you know, existing clients, obviously. So if you constantly have to have tons of new clients because your clients only hire like one person every year or every couple of years, that's a sign that you're you're possibly not working with the best clients. And secondly, if they don't value your service and they're like trying to penny pinch and, you know, cut your fees down at every opportunity, then that is another good sign that you're probably not working with your ideal, you know, dream clients, right? And that was one thing you really, uh, that I learned through your group, Resilient Recruiter at the time, um, was who is a good client, who is not a good client. And I, (laughs) I really struggled with learning. I like to think the best in everybody. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Um, and really that is, it was a big mistake. Um, and like you said, you need a huge amount of clients in order to make really any money in that particular business. Now you take a very large staffing agency and they have multiple sources of um, revenue from different types of clients. So that's why they were successful. And I never, it didn't register to me that that was the reason. What works for Robert Half isn't necessarily the right recipe for you as a solo practitioner or, you know, a small firm, right? Exactly. Um, so, Jackie, um, so you, you launched uh, Rothschild RX, and how's that uh, business been going for you? Um, I do have Racky. Um, my, well, she was my VA at the time. I hired her to start doing my um, marketing and some of the database cleanup, but I have since trained her, um, again, because of her nursing background, she took to it like a fish to water. Um, and I have trained her to be a recruiter and she's actually really good. And so I know we're going to talk about last year and, um, my lack of ability to work, but, Racky really helped me maintain my relationships with those acclaimed staffing clients and um, even filled a few positions while I was not able to work. So uh, I still have the business. I plan to grow the business maybe in a different way, maybe more specialized. Uh, Again, with Racky kind of... um, heading up and keeping that. I do also have a few people that I work with that um, they're also nurses, but they will work project to project. Um, So, you know, these are nurses that have retired or 
now at home with babies and don't want to work full time and they will work for me project to project. But um, Rocky is really my full-time recruiter for that side. And so I maintain the acclaimed staffing side of the business, but I really need to make some changes as far as that's concerned as well. So So, uh, I love the fact that you really embrace the virtual assistant idea. And because some people would be astonished to, to realize that you've got somebody on the other side of the world who I'm assuming you've never met in person, but who has become a a really trusted um, and important team member to the point that she's actually making placements like recruiting and filling jobs for you, um, which is is phenomenal. You've done a a brilliant job with that. What, because originally I think she was doing more administrative and marketing related tasks for you, right? Yep, she's been a godsend in every way. So amazing. So how did you um, develop her from, you know, doing more traditional VA tasks like, you know, admin marketing, helping you with your email marketing, your social media to actually sourcing and, and reaching out to candidates and recruiting them? So I was working with her, like you mentioned, as a VA, um, But when we would have um, our weekly meetings, and I also have a virtual person that writes my blogs and um, LinkedIn posts, Um, Mm -hmm. also something else that through your group I was encouraged to do, Uh, I'm not very good at it. So Raki had mentioned she knows another, knew another person who also was in the Philippines, his name is Anton, who does this as a full-time, um, a full-time job for a company that is in the U.S. Um, and he would be open to working with, with us. Um, but on our weekly meetings, I would listen to her, her suggestions for growing the business or her suggestions for finding, um, candidates or her suggestion. Mostly it was growing the business and just her thought process was genius. And I, you know, I'm really, I mean, for a living, we find, you know, talent for uh, companies. But it's amazing to me that how many times these staffing and recruiting companies hire these terrible people. I'm like, how do you not find people for yourself? Um, And, you know, I really feel like I, I have a gift for finding this, like recognizing talent. She's just one of those people. I was listening to her. I'm like, this girl can do anything. And I happen to know your assistant, Rachel, and I know she's the same way. I mean, just uh, one of those people that can just do anything and you just recognize that talent. And I started talking to her about Raki, about, um, what she would want to do because she was working um, with other companies as a VA doing their marketing and so forth. And I said, well, what do you think about doing this full-time? And um, she loved the idea. And I hope, our hope is to grow the acclaimed staffing side of the business enough that she could run, you know, basically the entire acclaimed staffing side. So I just have a huge amount of faith in her. She's just one of those people that's smart and forward thinking. And I love that I have her. Absolutely. Yeah, it's brilliant. A lot of people think if you hire a virtual assistant, it's you're hiring someone who is, um, they're just going to do tasks that you assign them, right? But really, if you hire the right person, they're going to bring ideas because they're constantly thinking, like if you are the right person, like Rachel is always thinking about how we can grow recruitment coach and she will bring to our weekly meetings. She'll bring ideas and suggestions and, you know, things that she, and she's out there researching on her own. So she produces this podcast, as you, you probably know. Um, 
And so what she, for example, listens to all my competitors' podcasts and other recruitment-related podcasts and, you know, which guests are good and what they're doing to promote on social media. And, you know, she's then bringing those, you know, any ideas uh, and even outsider industry, you know, so she'll bring those ideas to the table. And uh, so that's, that's exactly what you want. And then in terms of knowing other people, uh, her husband... Israel writes the show notes that go on our website, which is basically like a blog article, right? So they can hook you into other resources um, who are also high, high quality. Have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, he grew with Doug Bugie to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, expertise, mentoring, and back office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in venture capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. Jackie, if you're comfortable, I would really love to hear the story about the huge challenges you faced recently. Are, are you open to talking about that? Yeah, of course. Okay. So tell tell me the story of what has happened then. Um, so obviously 2020 was COVID and that certainly brought mm. its own challenges. Um, but it was actually also the year where I figured out what my, um, you know, that I needed to find a niche and so forth. Um and I had obviously everybody during COVID had to figure out something, you know, different ways to keep in contact with their clients and grow their business. But it gave everybody that break to really assess their businesses because you had a lot of time on your hands. Um, and so I I don't remember if Joel Slenning was on your podcast in 2020 or 2021. Uh, it was either 2020, the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021, but I do listen to your podcast. Um, you have a lot of really smart, brilliant people on. That's why I mentioned to you in the beginning, uh, you know, I don't even know if I feel worthy to be on your podcast, to be honest with you. Um, you are absolutely, <laughs> Jackie, let me clarify that. You are 100% deserved to be here and you have so much value to bring. So I wouldn't have invited you otherwise. Um, and yeah, so so get rid of that notion. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I do trust you. And after working with you all these years, I absolutely trust you. Um, and that is what, you know, part of the reason I listen, you've given me so many great business ideas that, you know, I listen to your podcast of who you interview so I can get more ideas and, you know, um, but for whatever reason you had Joel on and what he said and what he does, um, really struck me. And, um, so I gave Joel a call after listening to his podcast. Um, and Joel said, you know, let's pick this niche. PBM sounds great. Um, and we started to move forward. And in February of 2021, um, something was nagging at me that I had not seen my OBGYN the year before because of COVID and something really nagged at me. Uh, just go to the doctor, go to the doctor. And I did. And um, this is February. He, they said, we found a polyp in your uterus. We're going to pull it out and have it tested. Now, cancer does not run in my family. Um, 
the nurse practitioner that saw me did not think it was a big deal. She said it pulled right out, no big deal. And about 10 days later, I got a call that it was a very rare uterine sarcoma that nobody knows a lot about, but it was definitely this. Um, And I had to have it removed right away and um, went in for surgery. They did a mass hysterectomy. Um, And a few weeks after that, my husband had a heart attack. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, just crazy, you know, stress. That, I would say, was probably the worst in my life. Um, Fortunately, you know, my husband's was fixed through surgery, and um, he's fine and has been fine since. Um, But after my surgery, they said, you may or may not need chemotherapy, you need to see a physician that knows something about this type of sarcoma. And I had to go, we have in Arizona um, several cancer centers and I was sent to one called Banner MD Anderson. The sarcoma specialist there did not know about my sarcoma. He said, you've got to go to MD Anderson in Houston, which is a huge research hospital. Um, And they they're like Cleveland Clinic and Mayo. They do a lot of rare, weird um, conditions. And I saw a physician and they said, yeah, it's stage one, but it is really not, if you don't do anything about it, you basically have anywhere between six and 15 months to live untreated. Um, And this physician, thank God, knew... um, knew about, has probably seen any patient that has this type of sarcoma. He's probably one of the only doctors in the States that has seen it. So he said, yeah, um, unfortunately you need chemotherapy and it's not just normal chemotherapy. It's two different drugs and where a normal person will go for treatment for um, chemo like one day every 21 days Yours is five days every 21 days. So it was five 10-hour days every 21 days, two different drugs, and I had to go through six cycles. So I think my husband figured it out. Like It was like 280 hours of chemotherapy, which is just unheard of. And they told me, look, you know, your first round won't be bad, even though it's like going somebody else going through five rounds – but it gets progressively worse. It, it accumulates. Um, and most people don't finish this course of chemotherapy. So just do the best you can. And um, let's see how it goes. And I started people in don't- June, I think, June of last year. And finished in oct- the end of October. When you say people don't finish this... Because it's so horrible that they just say, no, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, they actually physically cannot tolerate it. I am so sorry that this happened to you. I just can't even imagine what that must have been like. And so how, what kind of time period does, did this treatment take? How long was that? Uh, so let's see. I think I started in May or June and I finished in October. Um, I was physically able to tolerate, uh, five, you know, it didn't, it wasn't in a, it was all in a row, but, um, I had to miss a few sessions because I needed blood transfusions and so forth. Um, my body, you know, at certain points just couldn't tolerate anymore. And they obviously watch a lot of different blood levels, And, um, like I said, I needed, let's see, during that course of chemo, I think I needed two blood transfusions. Um, but Mark in a million years, I never thought, um, it would take that kind of toll on me. You, you can't, I mean, no matter how many people you talk to, everybody reacts to chemo differently. And certainly nobody I spoke to had this level of chemotherapy. So I didn't know what I was in for. Um, 
but uh, obviously, you know, you hear you need chemo, you hear it's going to be this intense, and you don't know what that's going to look like. And my automatic, you know, reaction was, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to continue working with my clients? You know, am I going to find, and this is, you know, again, tailing 2020, which wasn't good for most people and certainly was not good for my business either. Um, and I was building a house at the time. Um, and so all these things just flooded my head of what am I going to do? You know, what is this going to like? Am I, and, and you know, I don't know, somewhere in the back of my crazy mind, I'm like, oh, I can do it. I could tough it out. I'm a Brooklyn girl. I'm tough, you know. Uh, yeah, not nobody, nobody is. And that's, I guess, why they said, you know, people don't generally finish. As a matter of fact, when I did finish, um, my husband and I saw the oncologist, they did my first test, my first CT PET scan since I finished. And he could not believe that I finished as much. He said, you finished more chemo than any of my other patients. He goes, and some of them are physicians themselves. And then after like three or four rounds, they just stop and walk and say, I can't do anymore. So, you know, my husband just smiled and said, you know, you're a real bad. And he, added a three-letter A word after that. Badass. Yeah, well, I don't <laughs> That's a good description. He said, you're a real badass, Jack. He goes, my wife's a real badass. And uh, of course she finished it, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, Mark, know, you know me really well. And you know, I, I'm a constantly go, go, go person. And I remember laying there on my bed and looking at the shower and going, you know, if I can make it over to the shower today and do that and brush my teeth, that will be an accomplishment for the day. And I never thought I could, A, slow down like that, and B, you don't have a choice. I mean, you're literally just can't move. It's that bad. And I lost a ton of weight and I looked sickly and I lost all of my hair everywhere. Um, no nose hair, which you never know you need until you don't have it. And your nose runs all the time. But I mean, you literally oh lose all your hair. You lose your weight. You look sickly. I couldn't move. So I, you know, basically during that time, I would, the only time I left the house was to go get chemotherapy. Um, I did manage to make it to two client visits during that period. Oh my I'm not goodness. Kidding. I put a wig on and got dressed and managed to get out. Oh my goodness. That's insane. Jackie, so what happened to your business while you, all of this was going on? Like, did, because so, you, you, you know, yeah. What, how, how did you manage that? Um, so I did already have some established acclaimed staffing clients. Um, right. And, uh, the, I, I, you know, I did get a few orders. And like I was saying, um, Racky had enough familiarity with my system and um, how to do the job while I was sick. And she really saved my butt as far as those were concerned. Um, And then as far as, um, like I said, I started that Rothschild Rx project um, and had only really been doing it a few months, but had already reached out to several people. And um, I did have a friend who was... um, uh, a vice president at one of the mid-size PBMs who um, had brought me in. I had already started discussions with this company as far as being, um, you know, a staffing vendor for them. And um, I had also made some other contacts at that point. So I just did the best I could as far as just trying to maintain what I had already done Uh, didn't really go any further uh, as far as getting new clients, but I already had a few people that I had spoken to and just, you know, uh, on the days where I felt well enough, got on to some um, meetings, um, 
And I was able to um, service a couple of PBMs, uh, one of which is I mentioned first, where I had that friend that was the vice president. Um, we had already gone far enough where they had were ready to give me job orders. I had already spoken to um, some of the executives who would make the decision, yes, you can or no, you can't. And um, just... I don't know. I don't know. You know, it really is God's grace that I was able to do anything. But I somehow, you know, at least with the established people that I had already spoken to, was able to move forward. That is amazing. I can't, it's just such an incredible, you know, journey that you've been through, Jackie. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm blown away. I don't. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm sort of lost for words. Um, it's just such an incredible, you know, ordeal that you've you've been through. So, um, I I just admire you so much. Well, I appreciate it. I don't know if it's admirable or you just do what you have to do. I mean, you're really given no choice, um, and you can choose to lay down and feel sorry for yourself. Or which I can't say there weren't days where I didn't do that because I absolutely did. Um, you know, I ended up in the hospital a few times um, with um, some side effects from the chemo. And I will tell you, uh, just with the established relationships I had had with the acclaim, some of my acclaimed staffing clients, um, as well as the new Rothschild Rx clients, um, I obviously had to disclose to them um, that I wasn't what was going on because I could not work during the weeks where I was going through the chemo um, and even for long periods in between, you know, within that 21-day period, most of the time I just didn't feel well. So I had about one good week and good um, in the beginning was actually, I, I wasn't as bad, but then like they said, it was going to be cumulative. So by the end, there were no weeks that I felt well, but the understanding and the grace that I was given by the clients was just absolutely amazing um, and just allowed me to do the best I could. Um, so I chose don't lay there. Don't you know, just keep moving. This will pass like everything else, um, you know, and with God's blessing, I'm cancer free and I hope to stay that way. But it was definitely a rough road. It was just one that I chose to not lay down and give up. So, well, I'm so happy that you're, you're well again and that you, um, yeah, that's, You've had a you've had a positive outcome, and and uh, so that is just such a relief. Um, Jackie, how did you? One of the topics that I know um, we were kind of always discussing was moving away from contingency and uh, to a retained model. And at what point did you finally flick that switch and and start? working with clients on a retained basis? Um, so you had always told us, you know, um, that that was the best idea um, also to identify good clients versus bad clients. That was all scars that I had had that I had learned from. Um, and really it started with um, when I started talking to Joel about doing Rothschild Rx, it was you all, you know, retained, exclusive. I mean, these are all messages you had already told me for years and years. And it was a mind, I swear, Mark, it's a mind shift. It literally is a mind shift. It's the, you are experienced enough and good enough to ask for these things. And this is what will weed out the good clients from the bad clients. Because... When you explain why, or when I explain why I do retained, um, I explain it, and this is the way I think about it in my head, is you are my business partner. You have now decided as the client that you've searched enough, you cannot find it on your own, um, 
I, you need, you as the client needs help now come to me. And, um, if you've already come to me that you need help, then be my business partner. And the way we're going to ensure that is, um, you will pay me a retained fee up front. And then when the person is hired, you will pay me the remainder of that. Um, so it really was a, it was a message that you had told me for years and something that Joel reinforced and it just literally was a mind shift. Yes, you are worthy of asking for this. No, you don't need every job that is given to you. You don't need every client that's going to come to you. And even now today, um, as a matter of fact, this past week, I had somebody um, who I had called on maybe, that was one of the clients I said I had seen when I was sick. Um, they came to me and said, okay, we need to hire a physician. Um, the practice is growing and they wanted to pay me a ridiculously low amount. And I said, well, I respect our business um, and I, I want to make you a partner. I cannot do it for that money. I mean, it is way too hard and way too much time invested to do that. And um, it wasn't the first piece of business I refused. It just was um, definitely one of the, uh, a job order that could get, potentially give you a, a lot of money. And what they were offering me, I wouldn't say it's a small amount of money. It just wasn't worthy of what we can do and what time it really takes. And so I refuse that piece of business. Um, and I'm just in a mindset that, look, you know, we're going to be business partners. This is the way it's going to go. And when you are finished looking, when you are truly finished, come to me. I don't want to sit there. I had been burned too many times where I was working contingent and they either filled the job themselves or filled it through some other agency or whatever the case is. And our value just wasn't there. And I saw that and I just, it was literally a mind shift and it started with Rothschild RX, but I have backed it into acclaimed staffing and even my current clients who I always did just contingent, um, that business model changed and some of them stayed and some of them didn't. And, you know, you know, one piece of business at a time, and I want valued clients. I treat my clients as well as they treat me. And like I said, the ones that stood by me through cancer, I would do anything for those clients, absolutely anything bend over backwards, do whatever they need. And those are the relationships as clients that I want. I want someone where I respect them and they respect me. And that retained model really is the, is what shows you. It's the gift to each other that, you know, we have a contract and we're going to be true partners. So. I love it. Good for you. And I'm so thrilled for you, Jackie. And especially, you know, for example, turning down, like walking away from a client that's not a good fit, that's a win. That's not a loss, right? That is absolutely a win because that frees up that time to do something else that's more productive with your uh, with your finite amount of time that we all have. So that is tremendous. Um and is there anything else that you'd wanted to talk about today that we haven't covered? No, I just, I really um, have appreciated um, the coaching that I received from you. And the funny thing, Mark, is it clicks when it clicks. It's like everything else in life. You know, you can hear something as a kid. Your parents will tell you. Your parents will tell you. Of course, you don't listen to them. And then, you know, years later, you go, oh, and it clicks. You know, it's funny. I have a 25-year-old son who, you know, he's first now coming back to me and saying, mom, now I get why you did what you, why you said what you said and why you did what you did. 
And um, yeah, I'm waiting for my 21 year old son to do that, but I guess it clicks at about 25 for a right you know, for, for a guy. Years yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was the same with me and you. I mean, you absolutely give us what will you know the information of what will make us successful. And then we have to take our own journey and wait it out until it clicks. And, you know, I now have a much better idea in my head about what I want the business to look like in the end, um, how to grow it properly, um, what makes you successful versus what just spins your wheels and wastes your time. And now not only is it my time, it's Rocky's time, it's Anton's time, it's, you know, I have other people with me that are working on this and I want to be respectful of their time. I don't want to tell them, go look, go help me search for this or go through our systems and go call these people because most of our candidates are people either I knew from my previous life or were referred to me by people in my previous life. That's where our candidate pool comes from. Um, we don't go posting jobs. Where you know that that's good and bad in the sense that we've got a candidate pool that um, nobody else has because they will come to me as Jackie. We know you, um, and the bad part is you know. We don't, we don't have to go. So, but also nobody knows who we are until you know who we are, you know? So that, that's the bad part yet. of it. Yet. They don't yet. know who we mm -hmm. are yet. Thank you. Thank you. But just following, you know, your guidance and Joel's guidance and everybody else who I've asked, when I come to you for advice, I really want to learn from it. It may take me a few years to click. Sorry. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, but, you know, eventually, maybe I hit 25 in my, um, you know, the proverbial 25-year-old <laughs> where I turn around to you and go, Mark, you were right the whole time. It just had a click. And so, um, you know, I love doing, you know, I also had the time over 2020 and last year to realize, okay, if you're going to make a change in your career, now's the time. Um, yes. And I love what I do. I do. I want to grow this. I want people to see the value in what we do. Um, uh, and we really are there. Like I said, I would do anything for my clients. So um, I'm just grateful for everything you've taught me, everything Joel's taught me, um, and the client, the clients that I've selected to be partners with are truly wonderful people. So gratitude. Beautiful. Well, and I'm grateful for you. And uh, I like the fact you said the clients you've selected to partner with. That's a great way of thinking of it. Rather than they've chosen you, you've chosen them. Um, you mentioned Joel and the impact he had and how you heard him on the podcast. I don't know if you're aware, but he's now working with me uh, we're running a coaching program together called Apex, which is for firms that want to scale and grow. Because uh, I really clicked with him as well uh, after that episode. So I just, over a period of months, I recruited him to come in on, on this uh, mission with me to work with recruitment entrepreneurs who want to who want to scale. So he's a great guy. Um, really enjoying that uh, partnership as well. So, And I think it's funny that of all your podcasts, I could have selected anybody to call. I mean, and you've had, you know, over a hundred guests and we both honed in on the same person. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess that means we're both excellent um, judges of talent and we both saw yep. the same thing. So I know at least I'm on the right track. If you selected him, I know I, my thinking was good. <laughs> He is, he is a great guy He's and wonderful. Uh, super knowledgeable, but also like really uh, generous with his knowledge. And, and um, yeah, we're, we're having a great time with that, with that program. So Jackie, thank you for doing this. Um, I know you had some reservations about coming on and I'm so glad that you did. I hope you had fun. I did anyway. I did too. I always enjoy speaking great. with you. So 
Okay, fantastic. Well, look, thanks again and have a, have a great rest of your day. I'll speak again soon. Okay. Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview. Recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the Resilient Recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who've achieved extraordinary things. Specifically, I'm looking for someone with a great story to tell, someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals, and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners. In the words of previous guests, John Coxon and Alex Elliott, I'm looking for someone with humble confidence. They could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast growing firm. Maybe that person is you. Or maybe it's someone you know. Send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com, or feel free to nominate yourself. And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.